0: Colossians 1 verses 3 uh, through 6. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, start over. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Third time's a charm. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Lord, uh, teach us now, guide us now, Um, all those things that we just sang and uh, had sung over us are true, but uh, we know that your Holy Spirit has to apply those truths deep into our hearts, and so teach us, uh, Lord, uh, what you have for us this morning as your church, uh, grow us uh, up uh, into the truth of what you've done for us. And may uh, I pray this morning you, you literally restore us to the joy of our salvation. May we leave here this morning uh, full of joy, uh, not for what we're waiting for you to do, uh, but because of what you've already done. So we love you. Uh, teach us now in your name. Amen. All right. Have a seat. So my, <laughs> my sons who just left for Kid Town are grumbling because they knew that I was going to show this little video uh, at the very beginning today. And uh, <laughs> this may work or not work, we're going to about to see, but I actually think it, it helps paint a picture for us that we'll use uh, throughout the sermon about uh, what's happened for us in Christ. Um, so, Pauly, if you would uh, go ahead and uh, play this.
1: <laughs> They're about to, all right. You at
0: Taco Town. We take a
1: crunchy all-beef taco, smother it in nacho cheese, lettuce, tomato, and our special southwestern sauce. Then we wrap it in a soft flour tortilla with a layer of refried beans in between. Sweet. Then we wrap that in a savory corn tortilla with a middle layer of Monterey Jack cheese. Awesome! <laughs> And it gets even awesomer when we take a deep-fried gordita shell, smear on a layer of our special guacamolito sauce, and wrap that around the outside. This is pretty big! It gets bigger! Because we bake it in a corn husk filled with pico de gallo, then wrap that in an authentic Parisian crepe filled with egg, gruyere, merguez sausage, and portobello mushrooms. Can I eat it now? Sure, but not before we take the whole thing and wrap that in a Chicago-style deep-dish meat-lover's pizza. Pizza? Now that's what I call a taco. Well, it's not a Taco Town taco until we roll it up in a blueberry pancake, dip it in batter, and deep-fry it until it's golden brown. Then we serve it all in a commemorative tote bag filled with spicy vegetarian chili It's 15 great tanks all rolled into one. Taco Town! The new Pizza Craig Taco Pancake Chili bash only at Taco oh, Town. Taco Town!
0: It really doesn't have anything to do with what I'm about to say. <laughs> Just thought y'all would enjoy that now. What, what could you add to that taco? Like, isn't the point of that sketch? Just the ridiculous, over-the-top nature of we're adding and we're adding and we're adding to the point to where there's nothing else you could add to that taco. It would be ridiculous. I mean, it already was ridiculous, right, to add anything to that. And yet, our culture and the culture that the Colossian church uh, was in was uh, a time where uh, the, the thought was, what can I add? What can I add? What can I add? How much more can I add? And they were in danger of of basically, uh, as a church that was under attack, minimizing the person and work of Jesus and what he had already accomplished for them. All the things that he had already given them. It's already all there in the taco, right? It's all there in Christ. When he says in Christ, that's a great picture. It's huge. It's massive. There's so many layers to to that statement, what you have in Christ. But it's all there. The Colossian church was in a battle for their maturity, for them to walk into and grow into what has already been given them in Christ. And they were struggling because they were were tempted to and they were acting in a way that was adding to the work, right? Through their religious effort. They were in danger of actually putting their faith in something other than Jesus, maybe in their own religious work or their hope in something other than Christ and what he had done for them. They were in danger of loving only certain people, only certain type of people who were doing the certain type of religious practices versus loving all of God's people. And Paul is contending. Remember, he we started this last week. He says, I'm fighting that you would be presented fully mature in Christ, and to this end, I'm strenuously contending with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I'm fighting for you to not leave that place of faith in him, hope in him, and love in and through him for all of God's people. Because Paul understood something about his culture, and he understood something about our culture. This is just as applicable today. And that's this, that every single one of us enter this room Having faith in something or someone. Everyone enters this room having love for something or someone. Everyone comes into this room having hope in something or in someone all the time. Now, maybe you didn't wake up with an awareness of that, but you're in here as faithers, hopers, and lovers, period. And Paul gets that. He gets that about the Colossian church, and he wrote that, and it applies to us today. And the question is this who or what is my faith in? Who or what is the well of hope from which I draw? Who or what am I being loved by and therefore loving out of? Because faith, hope, and love, they are core components of our human nature, our human identity. We are made this way. We are faithers, hopers, and lovers, period. And Paul knows something. To be in Christ, to be a Christian, it means to have a new nature, to have a new identity, to have a new birth, first Peter says, into a living hope. You've literally been born into a place where your hope is in a different place. He's implanted new life in you. And along with that, life are these three powerful things faith, hope, and love in him. So he's fighting. He's contending for the Colossians. We're going to contend for ourselves this morning, that we wouldn't leave and get away from that truest reality, that truest self, our truest identity, that we already have everything that we need for life and godliness. His divine power, 2 Peter says that, has given us everything we need. It's already all there in the taco. It's in the bag full of chili, right? It's all there. Now, would you go on the journey, the maturing journey of growing into what is already there, is already true about you? Remember, maturity isn't you go do, you go add another layer to what Christ has done. Right? You go do, grow up. It's no, grow into, explore the layers of what he has done for you and grow into the depth of that reality. And Paul says, hey, take a deep breath, because in Philippians 1.6, he who began that work in you, he's going to complete that work in you, and this is an ongoing work for the rest of your life. It's peeling back the layers of what does it mean that I've been given faith in him? What does it mean that God loves me? What does it mean that I have hope stored up for me in heaven? What does that mean? So we're going to get in the bag, okay, in the taco bag today. Because he starts his letter, this is the very beginning of his letter, He starts with Thanksgiving and celebration. I love the end of that video where Jason Sudeikis is like, Taco Town, right? He he thought he was literally just going to get like a simple taco, and now he's freaking out because he's got this giant bag, right? That's that's what Paul's doing here. He's literally saying, do you understand what you have? Do you understand what you have? Because if you did, you'd be celebrating. What's already happened for you and the fruit... That it's bearing in their lives. That's where Paul starts his letter. He says, I am going to celebrate the power and the resources that Jesus is bringing into their lives, into our lives, this triangle of faith, hope, and love. I'm literally going to, we're going to talk about the Bermuda Triangle today. So it's going to get weird this morning, all right? We've already talked about a bag, bag, giant taco, right? This Bermuda Triangle, the powerful intersection of faith, hope, and love which are all gifts from the Lord and they're gifts in the Lord. If you're in him, you have these things already because it's a part of your new nature, all right? So three things we'll look at. First one is this. The beginning of maturity is being thankful for his grace. Thankful. That's where Paul starts. We always thank. I'm I'm gonna be thankful. I'm gonna practice thankfulness for what the Lord's done for me. Second thing is this Bermuda Triangle. The maturity really thrives in the intersection of faith, hope, and love. And those things are the power of Christ and the resources of Christ in me. Of my new identity. So thankful for His grace, the Bermuda Triangle, and then lastly, the Triangle Travels. The Bermuda Triangle is, you know, it's a static place. It's, It's fixed, right? It's not fixed. Faith, hope, and love aren't fixed in us. They're solid in us, but they travel through us, okay? Thankful for His grace, the Bermuda Triangle, the Triangle Travels. Everybody thoroughly confused, yes? Good, awesome, yes. Hopefully we'll be a little more clear, or the Lord will make it clear to you later on. <laughs> thank God. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. You know, you only thank somebody... If you truly believe, they're actually responsible for something, right? I i not say thank you to somebody who doesn't actually do something. I say thank you to somebody who's like, you actually did that, and I'm thanking you for that. Why he's starting his letter with thankfulness, why he's starting, and we didn't read this part, it says to God's holy people in Colossae. That word holy there, that's a pregnant word. The faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about a new family. That, that didn't exist but now exists because of Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Like, is he just, you know, kind of, you ever start a letter with, and you're like, start a couple sentences, you're like, all oh, right, start it, like, is he just like trying to figure out how to get things going in the letter? No. He's dropping massive identity, theological identity bombs on these people and saying, this is what's true about you. You are now, Holy, which means to be set apart. He has scooped you out of a situation and set you apart. You are brothers and sisters. You have a new family that is comprised out of people that were complete strangers before. He says, Grace and peace to you. Grace meaning what? Meaning that it was completely unmerited. You didn't do anything to deserve this. Peace. When we say that word we we have a sense of a general sense of kind of oh, I'm okay or I'm happy or something like that's peace in the bible is, is way deeper than that. Peace is things like Jesus saying as he was going to the cross and telling them I'm going to leave you and go to the father and give you the holy spirit. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you my abiding indwelling holy spirit so that you can have confidence and rest, peace. You've got my presence, you've got my promises, you've got me. He's saying, you've got all this, you're holy, you've got a family, you're set apart, and that's set apart by grace, and you've got peace. And he's saying, apart from me, anything less than that is gonna be a fragile peace, right? So he begins his whole letter, By saying, all of this is true about you. And as a result, because you have him, he is the source of your faith. He is the author of your love. He is the source of your hope. And the combination of those things in Christ, that produces power. It's power in our lives. That's why Paul can say with confidence, I am strenuously contending with all the energy that Christ powerfully works in me. It's because all of these things are brought to bear in him. I've got power. He says there, I'm thankful because of your faith in Christ Jesus, your love that you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Faith, hope, and love. Now, uh, if you've read your Bible at all or been around the church at all, you've certainly heard those things talked about together, right? There's tons of places in the Bible where those three things work amongst one another, right? And he says there, faith in Christ, love you have, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up from you in heaven. And he seems in this passage to be prioritizing hope over those two things, saying that those two things are begat out of hope. And I just encourage us, it's not how he's speaking of these three things here to prioritize those things. He's simply showing how these three things work in relationship together because all three things come from him. Have you ever, I learned how to braid a a woman's hair. (laughs) Didn't think I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever braided hair before? You know, a three braid? If you look at a braid, Oftentimes you can't see, you know, is that the strand or is this the strand? And if you peel apart the braid, right, eventually you'll see, okay, these are three separate strands, but they all originate from one head of hair, right? So when you're looking at them all three together, it just looks like one cord, right? But we know that those are three separate strands, but they all come from one head. That's literally, it's a fantastic picture for what Paul's doing here when he says, faith in Christ and love you have that come out of the hope stored up for you. He's talking about three separate strands, but he's talking about one thing, and it's talking about him. Faith and love that come from this hope. So let's talk about this Bermuda Triangle. So maturity begins for us, right, with thankfulness. Restore me to the joy of my salvation. Thank you for what you've given me. I've got the whole taco, right? So what's in the taco? Let's peel back these three layers of faith, hope, and love. Uh, any of you watch Ripley's Believe It or Not as a child? Was that show, some of you are like, that show wasn't on when I was a kid. Yeah, I loved that show, right? Anybody, any of you visit Ripley's Believe It or Not in Gatlinburg? Yes, with your children? Yes. I mean, I loved that show, and I loved I love mystery. I love any sort of thing that they can't explain, right? But the Bermuda Triangle, uh, you know, it's real, right? It's a triangle uh, that within the intersection of Miami, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda, in those three fixed points in the ocean, something mysterious but undeniable because they've got plenty of records of shipwrecks and plane wrecks, something mysterious yet undeniable and powerful happens within that triangle, right? Right? And in that case, it's, it's obviously very destructive, and there are people that have dedicated their entire lives. I fell down the, you know, the, I tumbled down the internet hole of, of researching the Bermuda Triangle this week. Don't waste your time. <laughs> uh, no one's still really figured it out, even though they've spent a lot of time. But, you know, there's people who have dedicated their whole lives to this, right? It's, it's electrical anomalies. It's something that has to do with the position of the North Pole and where a true north is. There's a magnetic fields. Everybody's got their explanation. But everybody's trying to, to put language to something that's real, which is this. There's something undeniably powerful that happens in that place. And in the case of Christ, when Paul says these things that we have in him, in that triangle of faith and of hope, and of love, I'd argue that something very similar happens. And in many ways, and and I can't, We'll, we'll spend the rest of our lives trying to fully understand it. In many ways, it's very mysterious and unexplainable, and yet it's undeniable, isn't it? The effects that happen, faith, hope, and love that emanate from people who are in Christ. And in that triangle, we're not shipwrecked because, remember, Scripture says we were shipwrecked to begin, right? Like the the triangle we were found in was the triangle of sin and death. So I was dead in my trespasses and and sins. I, I needed new life. And so when we come into Christ, we come into the triangle of new life that emerges from our new identity in Him. Theologians literally call faith, hope, and love the three divine sisters that together serve as a foundation for our entire Christian life. It's been called the threefold cord, like that braid I explained, the threefold cord of Christ's life, strands that all come from one source. So let's look at these three. I mean, we could literally preach an entire sermon on each one of these, but we're not going to do that because that's not what Paul's doing here. He doesn't want us to understand necessarily in this moment each one of these individually. He wants us to see how they work together, right? How they make a beautiful braid. So faith in Christ. You have been given. We have heard of your faith in Christ. There's another way of saying that is, is you're actually truly living in the grace that has been given to you. You're living by faith in him. He is the object of your faith. Your faith isn't in yourself, your faith isn't in someone else or somewhere else for your salvation or for tomorrow, for your life out there. Paul's saying that you you have this completely new identity, faith in him. You've gone from this position of being aliens and strangers in this world. That's what Ephesians 2 says that you were in this world without hope and without God in the world. And now, because of your faith in Him, which is a gift, you've been moved into this place where you do have hope and you do have God in the world. You have saving faith in Him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You're in this position. Thank God. That's why it's cheering at the beginning, right? Thank you. I'm in this position of faith in you because of what you've done. It's an entirely a gift, and it's the only way, Scripture says, to eternal life. And that's a fact, right? No confusion about that. There's no mystery about that. It takes faith in Christ to have eternal life. So that's a fact. There's something mysterious about that faith as well. Because that faith isn't just fact, it has a function, and that function affects what you and I do when we leave this place today, right? If you actually translate the word faith there, it means literally to lean your whole weight upon. Like if I'm confident, if I leaned my whole weight upon this podium, this podium could not hold all 180 pounds of me, 185 pounds of me. I'm working on it, <laughs> trying to get it back down there. No, you know, to lean on this would mean to actually have faith that it could hold me. Like, have you ever been repelling? And what do people who take you repelling do? They're like, check out this rope, and this rope can hold an elephant. And check out this carabiner, and this carabiner, you see these, it says 2,000 KN with like a funny arrow on it. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, It means it can hold your truck right? And here's this harness, and they're like, uh, 15,000 of you couldn't break this rope. That's all great, right? I I know what you're telling me, the facts about that carabiner, facts about that harness, but I don't have functional faith in that until I literally lock in and lean back, and I trust it with my own weight. There's no functional faith until I put my weight on it, and that's what he's talking about is happening in the Colossian church. It's not just they believe that they've got some kind of bus ticket for their eternal salvation. Like, I'm just waiting around to die, and I know when I do. I get to go to heaven. No. There's a functional quality to their faith that was bringing a powerful reality into their present. They were leaning their whole weight upon Jesus, and it looked like something. So let's talk about... What were the Colossians in danger of again? They were in danger of building and getting their identity, their religious identity, their salvation, and their social, economic, all those sorts of identities based on what they do, right? Based on how they're going to add to the taco of what Jesus has already done. They were in danger of that. Well, Scripture says about faith, In Ephesians 6, it says it in 1 Peter 1 that faith is actually a shield, right? Pick up the shield of faith. Well, why do you need a shield? Why do you need a password on your computer? Everyone has passwords and firewalls. Why? Because people are afraid of getting their identity stolen. Faith is literally the shield that protects my identity from getting robbed. It protects me from forgetting who I already am, what I already have in Christ, and whose I am, His. I belong to Him. Ever since the garden, identity theft has been going on, right? That was the chief lie. Do something in order to establish your identity apart from God. And faith, like a shield, comes up and says, I'm going to defend against that lie that I am what I do, because that's one of the chief lies, functionally, that you and I walk around with every single day and has spoken to us. You're what you do, and how good you do it or how bad you do it. You're how your kids turn out. You're whatever. Fill in the blank. You're what you do. And I've been given faith in him not just to get to heaven. I've been given faith in him to defend against that lie. I have a shield now. And so as a result, I bring the gospel, I bring the resources that I have in Jesus Christ, and I pull up that shield. And instead of getting an identity from what I do, because of my faith in him, I shield myself from that lie, and I bring my identity to what I do. I don't do to get... I do because I have, and I do it differently because I have faith in him. I have faith in his verdict. I have faith in what he says about me, what's true about me already. It's already there in the taco. Why is that practical? It means stuff like this. My job, it doesn't define who I am. My success does not define who I am. My fame or my notoriety doesn't define who I am. My money doesn't define who I am. My relationships, what you say about me and what I say about you, that doesn't have strength the way that his words have strength. Those things don't give my life meaning. My life has meaning. You know that? That Jesus didn't die to you to give your life meaning. He didn't die for you to make you lovable. It says in Scripture that it was because of his great love for you that he died for you. You already have meaning to him. And that meaning you're looking for, the meaning that the Colossians were looking for in all of their effort to add to the taco, they already had it in him. That's powerful, y'all. Jesus wouldn't have made the sacrifice for you and for me if we didn't already have meaning. That's the gospel. That's the truth. Do you carry around that shield by faith? Because Paul said there's power in that faith when you lean into it. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me, and therefore the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's my identity. And it was so deep for Paul that even who, I mean, he was shipwrecked, literally. Imprisoned, beaten, he had a hard life. And he said things like this in Philippians 4, I've learned to be content in all circumstances, well-fed or hungry. How? Because of faith in Christ. I can do all things. What was he shielded from? He was shielded from a discontent life. Any of us in here are struggling with discontentment? What are you going to add to the taco that's going to deal with that? Are you going to pick up the shield that you've been given that's already in the taco? Pick it up and shield yourself from the lies that the world is shooting, that the enemy is shooting all the time saying, if you just add this, that's going to deal with the discontent. Paul was saying, here's how I deal with my discontent. It's dealt with in him. We have faith in him. It's it, you have it. And it's functional. It's truly living in his grace. Love for all God's people. Another part of the triangle Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or or uncircumcision has any value. This is one of the ways they were trying to add to the taco, right? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You see how they work together? Faith expressing itself through love. A love for all God's people. He says, I'm thankful for this. You have faith in Christ and love you have for all God's people. What was the love he was talking about? You guys familiar with, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book a long time ago. He's still not alive, in case any of you were wondering. Four loves, yeah? Writes about the four Greek words that are used uh, in the New Testament for love, which are, are friendship love or phileo, storge, which is affection, which is just kind of love for general things or people because you share common interests or things like that, or eros, which is romantic love. Those are three different words. But the word Paul uses here is the word agape, The word that he uses, the love that you have for all of God's people, it's different than friendship love. It's different than romantic love. It's different than just kind of mere affection or storge. All those things are good, and all those things have their place, but he's saying you've got something different, and it's called agape, and you have it. It's in the taco. It's all there, and that love, that agape love, it trumps all the other forms of love. It's way, way more robust It's the unconditional love of God given to us through His Son, Jesus. And you have it. You have a storehouse of it. It's the love that is highest. It's the love that is most pure. It's the love that's most costly to give because it's unmerited. You know, we talk about the you for me's. I did it for you for me, right? We do a lot of love in that way, right? This is not a you for me love. This is a me for you love. This is a one-way love that's super sacrificial. It's a love that is even when you're my enemy and we have nothing in common other than what Christ has done for us, I can love you and love you based on that. You know, this is what the church, the early church was known for. This is our prayer that as a church, we would be known for this, that this would be a place literally of agape love. The people would say, when I interact with these people, I am loved in a way that is way different than the way the rest of the world loves me. That's what Jesus says. They'll know you're my disciples. They're going to know that you belong to me based on how you love other people. The capacity and willingness to love all of God's people. That word all in there is pretty important. Because it's pretty easy just to love certain type of people, isn't it? But Jesus said, hey, you love those who love you. What good is that? Pagans do that. I don't need anything supernatural to love somebody who's just like me. But I do need supernatural resources to love people who are hard to love and who are different than me, right? And he's saying, you got it. It's in the taco. You've got this agape love for one another. And because you are loved by him in that way, because you are first loved, now you love that way. He's not saying Jesus set some kind of great example for you, and so now go live up to his example. It's literally like this. I receive the agape love of God. And then with that agape love that I have received, I go love. You've been given faith in him. You've been given agape love from him and through him for all God's people. And then lastly, those two things he says here, they spring forth from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Hope? Stored up for you in heaven. I preach a whole sermon on hope. You know how much. I love talking about hope, right? What is hope? If if faith is truly living in my new identity, living in His grace, and if love is truly loving from that place of my new identity, I've got the agape love of God. Then hope is literally I'm drawing from the well of future grace and eternity, and I'm bringing it into the present. Hope in the Bible is not a feeling. It's not optimism, it's not man. Gosh, I hope this happens. It's not wishful thinking. Hebrews 11 literally says that it's it's certain confidence by faith in what's been promised you. Hebrews 6 says that it's an anchor for your soul. Why do you need an anchor? Because on the surface, if you've ever been in a ship, On the surface, things are going crazy on the surface. And if I'm going to not be moved in my identity, I need an anchor, something holding me fast to what's true. Hope is bringing the certain realities that are guaranteed because of what Christ has done and promised to me into the present circumstances that suggest otherwise. I know it's crazy up here. I know it's hard up here. But I don't live based on that. I live based and anchored in the hope that is true. And I draw from that because I got a storehouse of it. I draw from that and I bring it into the present. You guys remember the movie Over the Top? Oh, go, I don't know if you should go watch it. It's a deep cut, yeah. <laughs> Stallone, his arm wrestling movie. L- yeah, literally. You know, he's this kind of. He wasn't as big as all the other guys, but he would literally turn his hat backwards when things got tough. And he had this move, this arm wrestling move, where his hand went over his thumb, and it's literally like, I'm, I'm taking hope, and I'm literally, no matter what it feels like, I'm gonna will it back into a different place. And I've got that kind of power. Do you believe that you have that? Because Paul's saying you do. You've got the over the top move. So I watch soccer. Yeah. Tottenham Hotspur is my team, English Soccer Premier League, right? They won a spot in the Champions League final last year, which is basically arguably the biggest soccer match, apart from the World Cup final, that happens every year. They had to score three goals in the last 20 minutes, which if you know anything about soccer, a lot of times games end 1-0, right? So that's a lot of goals to score in 20 minutes. And one guy, Lucas Mora, who came on as a sub... Scored all three goals in 20 minutes, one in the last second to send him to the Champions League final. Oh, Lucas Moura. We sing his songs, right? We're singing his songs. We're singing Jesus songs this morning, (laughs) right? You know what that did? Seeing that ball go across, it instilled in me as a fan that there is anything possible even though it looks totally impossible. For every Tottenham match I've ever watched since then, I thought, it doesn't matter how far down we are. We could, we could win this. Because of Lucas Moura, right? One victory changed my outlook on every future game that seemed unwinnable. That's hope, right? Hope in Lucas Moura. How much more then? Does the resurrection of Jesus, which was the emphatic victory, the emphatic truth in the face of a loss that that everyone was looking at Jesus on the cross and saying, He loses. Everyone. He lost. How much more then does the resurrection of Jesus and the truth that comes in and through Him that even if it appears I've lost every game in life, that I will only suffer a momentary loss, and that loss does not define me. What he did on that cross does. When he rose again, does. And so therefore, even if I suffer, even if it is difficult, even if I experience loss, and we will, that only serves to enhance the victory that is mine in Christ, because that's reality. Because it's in the taco, right? He's done it. It's all there. It's finished. That's the hope you draw from. And you bring that into your present circumstances. This storehouse that fleshes itself out like a shield of faith and like agape love for the world around you. And when we live in that identity, the triangle travels. I said that's the third thing, and then I need to drop back to Granny White. The triangle travels, right? The Bermuda Triangle is a fixed place, right? It's static. You have to travel through it for it to have its effect on you. But that's not true about you and me because if you're in Him, you carry everything we just talked about when you leave this store out there. 2 Corinthians 5 says you're an ambassador of faith, hope, and love, right? Christ is literally on the move in and through you. And so... It travels, he says there in verse 6, it's bearing fruit, the gospel is, and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. What's he saying there? He's saying when we're walking in our identity and we carry that around with us, those who have been given faith, hope, and love, we will be those who literally bring the power, the magnetism, the effect of that triangle to everything we do. We embody faith, hope, and love in him to the world around us. And let me tell you, you will shipwreck some people's lives in a good way. Because they will look at you and say, I don't understand what, where your faith is because my faith is in something way fragile. I don't understand why you have hope in the middle of really difficult circumstances. I don't understand how you can love in a sacrificial way. And it's a great opportunity. It's our opportunity to say, yeah, I know. Apart from being in him, I don't have the resources to do that. But in him, I do. Because that's who I am now. All right? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. (laughs) Taco Town has nothing on you. You have given us everything we need for life and godliness. You have given us faith in you. Oh, man, I treat that like something so small when it's something so big and something so powerful. You've given us hope. and Lord, oftentimes I shrink that hope to things of this world and I crush things in this world with that hope when it's a hope that will only be fully satisfied. It's stored up for me and I'll I'll realize it fully one day. Lord, make us lovers of people Uh, who bring the agape love that we've received uh, to the world around us, Lord. Make us a place where the gospel is spreading and growing in and through us as those who are in you. Amen.